Orb presents Home Insecurity. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Orb on Home Insecurity. Yeah, this episode aired on August 21st of 2004. You may be thinking, huh, that's weird. That's not how it is on the DVD. Uh, Things are a little bit weird, a little bit messed up. Um, This is the next episode by air date. But of course, the network messed around with that. Yes. So if you're wondering, uh, you know, uh, why we're doing this now, what happened to your favorite episode, it's coming. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of why we're doing this now, uh, order is arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, eventually, <laughs> the show will become so serialized that we couldn't do this. Yes. But for now, we can actually go in air order. Yeah. This is another episode. I keep having episodes of this show mm-hmm. uh, doing this read coming through as better than they are to me in hindsight. Yeah. Um, this episode, the show on our network is going to become the closest thing that we have to just like tripping over ourselves to to fawn over things for me (laughs) yeah like there's so many good jokes in this and Mm -hmm. the show supports a a close read like the episodes that i remember being kind of weaker uh in fact are actually pretty good yes they still have plenty of good incident even if you know some of the central pinnings are not necessarily that great uh, you can tell that they didn't really have a plan for what baron underbite was uh, supposed to be or do <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, they they, t- they talk about that a little bit uh in in the book their original plan yeah um this 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 episode in multiple ways feels like such a season one episode mm-hmm. um one because uh baron underbite is the central character and that is born of their initial idea of having kind of a monster of the week mm-hmm. kind of villain of the week situation rather than these long-form dynamics Two, uh, the idea of two villains henchmen just happening, you know, happening to show up on the same night, like a Cheers plot, mm-hmm. uh, is so uh, like I like it's not hacky, but it feels obvious. Yeah, <laughs> to me, like it just feels like the kind of idea that like a first draft idea, like an e- an early idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not very sophisticated. Um, within this, there are tons of jokes. There are things that I really love. Um, you know, I've always had a weird soft spot for Underbite. Yeah. Um, not that I think he's like good as the monarch where he leads to a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. I just like it because it signals. I like it when the Venture Brothers leaves the uh, Johnny Quest yes. realm and goes to the more outlandish Marvel Comics realm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I and when they do that later, we get better returns. Yes. We get funnier things, but this as the first kind of dip into like no no no, it's not just a mm-hmm. guy in a costume. There's whole other nations and there's lots of guys in costumes yeah and you know they're all just these like beautiful weird pun names and such mm-hmm. god i wish i had their ability to come up with these just throw away villains that like they mm-hmm. can literally just create and kill in one scene that would be yeah. like a whole joke um imagine throwing away manic eight ball yeah <laughs> like you don't throw away manic eight ball yeah, you bring point to, to know yeah. yeah, you you introduce them to your parent. You take them home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, manic eight ball is solid. That's such a good design too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just just incredible. And what are, what are his powers like? What is how is he efficacious as a villain? You know, Same thing uh, with no cat clops. Yeah, 
Yeah, <laughs> Cat Cops, who's one of his eyes is a cat. Also, Cat Cops, not a pun nope. or wordplay or anything. <laughs> it's just a weird design. Um, you know, that that kind of thing I uh, I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a kind of signaling towards the, the bigness. Uh, there are a lot of first, you know, first uh, in air date, you know, first mention of the guild, mm-hmm. 21 and 24 themselves. Like, this is an important episode. Uh, they're interfacing with real pop culture this is the first time uh you know like the six million dollar man shows up in this Mm -hmm. like the things that this show was inspired by also happened in this universe both on tv and real Mm -hmm. um you know in a way that is really neat that kind Mm -hmm. of blending of all pop pulp reality together uh again an air date you know whenever i say something is the first in this it's it's got an asterisk next to it right right uh an air date this is the first uh kind of show of a bunch of things i thought were really you know, I think are special about the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they show up. They show up here, and they're pretty good right away. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if just the idea of the Guild of Calamitous Intent is just thrown off as a name, it's like yeah. it's not a plot thing. It's literally just uh, like a joke about bureaucracy. I love it. Yeah, and <laughs> it will become you know more of a plot thing. Obviously, even in this season, I think they yes. had that planned. Yeah. Uh, but it is, uh, it's nice to just see it. It feels good to have it show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, this is the basic plot of this episode is Brock goes away for his yearly sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ventures are vulnerable to attack by their villains and two different villains attack on the same night. Yes. Um, as we said, we've got underbite, we've got our henchmen showing up, uh, not just as, you know, speedy kind of having the voice of 20, okay, 20, 21. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. I, I get them mixed up until one of them dies. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, you know, so we actually have them as their character, like even giving a little bit of their backstory and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then also an offhanded mention to the, uh, to, to, to the guild here. Underbite was always kind of their dime store version of uh, Dr. Doom. Where we literally will, yeah <laughs> that dime store dr doom yep yeah. uh and uh we, we will meet the rest of the fantastic four a little bit later although underbite has nothing to do with them <laughs> with, no, with, with, with no. that version of it here and underbite does ultimately come back he ties into some episodes but yeah. he is definitely um you know a kind of a lowercase villain mm-hmm. um you get the sense that uh jackson and doc got a little tired of him yeah, You know, like they thought the idea would be more fun than it ended up being. And they talk about this in the book. The idea was uh, he was meant to be just absolutely Herangulon, like just all kinds of war crimes, um, you know, just like a really disgusting character. And they talked about how the pacing of the show didn't allow this. Yeah. Um, you know, they wanted to have things like, oh, this is a live puppy fact, you know, fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would be like taking everyone's kids on birth to like put them in the orphan mines. Yeah. And they just didn't have time to set it up. Mm hmm. The pacing of the show, it's too jam-packed and a 22-minute show, just didn't allow for them to really give this guy as much of a hook. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a brilliant visual design. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, the jaw and the way that goes into Underland and looks like a U mm-hmm. with the umlaut and everything, like his costume is very of a piece. Yeah. Um, you know, it he like he's a really nice design. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of how he fits in the show, it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, also, I find it kind of hard to understand him when he talks. Um, sure. Which is a, a, a because of the Resist. accents, 
<laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not just because of his like faux German accent that, you know, or just a pop culture idea of what a German accent would be. There's also like they're doing some kind of like pitch stuff on him or like doing a little bit of an impediment because he literally mm-hmm. has an iron jaw. There's something mm-hmm. there's something about the way that he talks that makes him hard to understand to me. And uh, if uh, if you can't understand what somebody's saying, it is difficult for jokes from them to land. Yeah. And there also just aren't a lot of jokes yeah. that he makes mm-hmm. uh, in this. He's a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit less joke focused as yeah. a character, even though there are lots of jokes in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of them kind of two villains squabbling over each other was brought was a reference to a movie called The Raven mm-hmm. from 1963. Uh, it is a Vincent Price, Boris Karloff movie that <laughs> I watched the finale of Ooh. on YouTube. And if you want to see uh, Vincent Price with multiple arms like a Shiva floating in a chair, just scowling at Boris Karloff. Gary, you know I have do. Have I got the YouTube? Yeah, have I got the YouTube for you? It's bonkers and beautiful. Uh, it is a wonderful clip. Yeah. Huh. So I, I got to watch The Raven. At I, first I was like, oh, The Raven. Yeah. And I'll impose The Raven. Uh-huh. Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, th- there's a there's a trailer for a similar vintage movie that is The Raven uh-huh. that I think has Vincent Price in it. It might be a but Roger Corman joint. <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Yeah. When I put like the Raven like wizard duel or something and uh-huh. I got the ending of this, uh it's real weird, man. Yeah. Sixties uh, effects. <laughs> so Love it. Love that psychedelia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so this is an episode that on the DVD, it does not have commentary, but, uh, you can find it online. Uh, mm-hmm. it is one of the more, let's say meandering commentaries they have. <laughs> I, I didn't find it. I didn't, no? uh, I didn't actually know about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just like ended up watching it on DVD and saw that there's no commentary and did my usual research Yes, that I do mm-hmm. in trying to find like, you know. Yeah, but I didn't, if, I didn't have not listened to the commentary. If so. you just do a search for um, Venture Brothers Home and Security Missing Commentary, you'll find a link to an audio file of it. Uh, mm. It is it, <laughs> it was cut from the DVD for space, but also like it's just it's kind of just uh, public and Hammer having a good fun conversation with each other. Mm. There, it's 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 information light, let's say. Yeah, uh, nothing wrong with that, but yep. it makes sense for it to have been cut. Yes, yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I said all that, but there's also an important thing. This is, uh, the, you know, this is where I heard them make a point that you've made Gary, where they talk about the show being uh, about failure, saying yeah. that everything, everything here is a version of something else that just sucks. It hates what it does. It hates that it, you know, is not living up to a potential, even if that's a potential they don't want to do. And now all of us are failures and failure is beautiful is, is yeah. almost word for word what they say. Yeah, that, that's something that they'll they'll invoke in interviews a lot. Yeah. And around the time I got into this, like this has historically been uh, something that has resonated with me. Um, it's something I think about with uh, a movie, and this is a, a real normie movie to mm-hmm. really love in your early twenties. But it's something I think about a lot with the uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Oh yeah, um, which I also consider to be a movie about failure mm-hmm. and uh, you know people past their prime. That's always been a very resonant theme with me because yeah. uh, I'm past my prime. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Gary, when are you going to write a book again? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, um, no. You know. The, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that, that is a very resonant theme with uh, with Gary Butterfield. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into it and uh, kind of start unpacking this stuff because it is a dense episode. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, uh, so we have our cold yeah. open. We are in Unterland, which a later episode details. And I love this. It is near Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. I love the idea that because it's, it's, you know, when they show the exterior of it, mm-hmm. it definitely looks like, uh, Toledo, you know, like Ohio. Latvia, uh, you know, Latveria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Doom's mm-hmm. uh, land from Marvel Comics. People don't know who Dr. Doom is. Uh, Fantastic Four. He's also Reed Richards' old roommate, mm-hmm. um, which is going to be tied to the origin of Underbite. Um, he runs a country in the Marvel Universe, and everyone just lets him do it. Yeah. Um, Thor <laughs> nobody, is like, yeah, okay, do your work. <laughs> so, nobody, <laughs> nobody thinks, hey, let's stop that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's getting this update about, uh, how things are going. Um, and th- this is, this is full of like little one line beauties. Mm-hmm. Like the, the idea of like attendance being up at the, uh, Baron Underbite birth crevasse. Uh-huh. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh. <laughs> you know, uh, and then also this is the first, uh, appearance of dilly dallying. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, uh, I, I love, uh, dilly dallying. Mm-hmm. We got our three, uh, three one-off villains here. We got cat clops, mm-hmm. uh, who you mentioned, who's kind of a tough guy with a, like one eye that is a cat's face. <laughs> uh, manic eight ball, who is, uh, a magic eight ball in like a, you know, black fitting bodysuit uh-huh. who can shake his chest and make a, you know, a magic eight ball thing appear. Yeah. Uh, for people who don't know what a magic eight ball is, <laughs> it is a sphere that looks like an eight ball and it has a little, uh, four-sided dice. Mm-hmm. Insider or multiple? It's a it's a twenty sided dice. It's a twenty. It's an icosahedron. Yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, would. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Has um, triangle think, tri- yeah. triangle faces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, so does a four sided dice. Well, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> when I when I've seen them before, it looks like you. It looked like. Anyway, yep. it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, uh, but it has small. It's a it's a an oracle device. Like the mm-hmm. idea is, you shake it and it gives you an answer. Like yes, no, maybe so. All signs point to yes, etc. Yeah. Um, yep. And then from the uh, the pitch book, Girl Hitler, <laughs> which is literally uh, just uh, just a female uh, a female Hitler. Uh, her report yep. is about those about the child slave mines. How uh, how there was a little bit of insurrection, but they cut the feet off of the alpha males and the popular girls. <laughs> and like yep. literally, like literally, her only character trait is that she screams everything. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is very a uh, one note, yes. uh, girl, girl Hitler, you know, <laughs> and just uh, modification on Hitler has a little bit of that early 2000s steez mm-hmm. to it. Um, the scene is very nice, though, where like un- Underbite uh, leads a toast, but then says uh, they've all betrayed him in some way. Um, he's seen, you know, the coup, the skimming off the top, the crude drawings yeah. that people have done. Um, and he gives them a chance to resign. Um, when did the, uh, there's something under your chair start? There's Cause something I associate under... that so much with Oprah, like giving people iPads and shit. Um, it, but like, it, you know, cause he gives them ti- tiger balm. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I don't know when there's something under your chair started. I like it. It, it kind of seems like one of those things that is as old as time. Cause that's a place that you're not, you're not li- li- liable to look. But yeah, yeah. I, I think of look under your chair and like everybody gets a Pontiac G6 that they have to pay yes. taxes on because nobody, nobody thought that through actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I have no idea where, where, where that started. Um, and this tiger balm, which is just a, a salve, you know, it's like Vic, Vic's ba- vapor rub. It's like a burning salve yes. that you can put on your muscles. Like it's yes. a bad pun. And like, they're trying to figure out what it is when in reality it presages underbite sending in Siberian tigers that have bombs attached to them. 
Yes, Tiger Bombs uh, being the joke. Yes. Um, Cat Cops drops the Arsler in here. Again, we uh, talked about that in the first episode. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's not great. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time on it. And later there'll be more problematic things yes. about it. But it moves by uh, pretty quick Yeah. Um, in this. And, uh, you know, as they, uh, they get exploded, um, you know, Manservant, uh, <laughs> a character who talks to, to Underbite, comes up and he says, you know, you've eliminated the enemies of Underland. He goes, one remains venture. Um, we get our title screen, our credits. Mm-hmm. Um, something about the credits that I just was noticed this time around that I think is funny. Yeah. Is the way that they're like, they present uh, the characters feels kind of advertisey like in a way that is meant to get me excited mm-hmm. and i in my notes i wrote we've got hank because <laughs> uh, it just shows up and goes hank venture <laughs> and like the idea just like oh man hank you know rubbing my hands together for extra hank uh yeah. it was just very funny to me and featuring brock samson the exciting yeah. exploits and yeah it's a uh, it, uh, dean I, <laughs> dean i love it you know? i love being sold the yeah. characters i mean it's, yeah. it's so of a piece too you know like it's the way that yeah. uh it's 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 the way that they would uh try to sell you an issue of spider-man by sh- having a glory shot of spider-man on it it was like with yeah, spider-man exactly, except, it, except it's hank <laughs> yeah we got you hank know, just like the i got hank uh it's very very funny to me yeah um the uh so we we start off uh with our beginning here where brock is packing up to leave on sabbatical um mm-hmm. and rusty is you know trying to stop him you know he's like oh we talked about this we do this every year i left the number for the national guard <laughs> yeah call the neighbor if there's a problem no yeah. national guard they'll send a tank down um and uh hank already is very attached to brock he's uh he's in the back seat thinking that he's uh disguised himself by dressing up as a uh as, as an indigenous american like, yeah, I'm not sure why. At the time, they, they would have called it an, an Indian chief. And I love this. Uh, Brock says, sorry, runs with scissors. I've got to do this alone. <laughs> I, I, well, I love that. I love the like little you know, bit of slapstick after that when Hank goes, okay, hey, Brock, watch this. <laughs> and then just proceeds to fall out of the car. <laughs> it's unclear what <laughs> movie he was trying to do. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Like yeah. He's like, that's real good, Hank. You're yeah. the man of the house. <laughs> Dad, Dad, look at me dive. Let me dive. Like, yeah. Do a flip. Dad, look. <laughs> Um, and him saying is the man of the house and Rusty immediately being like, oh, you're a big man. Huh? <laughs> like this, the way the way the family falls apart, like the absolute second that Brock leaves. Yeah, even before he um, leaves, it's just the it's yeah. just the the imminence of his departure causes like a struggle of all against all. <laughs> yeah, it just destroys everything. Like, oh, hey, big man, you know, and Dean just crying and saying the family is coming apart. In uh-huh. his hover boots. Like, this is so beautiful. Yeah. How quickly this happens. <laughs> It's nice to know you're needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize, is this, is this true? So in the in the book, they say that Brock taking a sabbatical, they took this idea from Wolverine, where he, every year yeah. he would go and like hunt deer but not kill them just, just to prove that yeah. he could. Yeah. The, the Wolverine does that kind of thing. Yeah. Like I guarantee there's multiple issues where Wolverine goes and like, you know, chases a deer. Yeah. Uh, like every writer who gets a hold of Wolverine, like puts their own stamp on him going off to the woods alone and doing a monologue issue right and they're all pretty insufferable yeah i can um, believe that in, in my opinion like wolverine's inner monologue is something that i i have grown to take some joy in but not when he's hanging out with deer no you know no like, i'm more interested in what wolverine does than what he thinks or says i i'm very interested in his thoughts i i subscribe to his newsletter but i just i want his thoughts about Sabretooth and cyber yes and and lady deathstrike not about yeah. deer and woods no no fuck a deer fuck the woods 
I mean, there might be an episode, there might be an issue where they did that. Maybe Marvel wouldn't let them run that. Totally possible. Yeah. Uh, did you know another first in this up in this uh, that I have in my notes? This is the first mention of OSI as well. Oh shit! I didn't make a note of that. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about no. He say, he says, "Oh, I'm with OSI when he when he runs up to the uh, the mm-hmm. MPs, right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. He, he tries to get in the woods. There's a military blockade hmm. uh, here, and he basically you know just uh, man loads them. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm with OSI uh, here for a little R and R." Right. Right. O- OSI being the basically cia mixed with uh gi joe that he's a that he's a mm-hmm. member of um yes OSI uh, being initially, a play on very OSS. CIA, yeah. initially very cia the gi joe stuff comes in way later it's a little bit of a retcon yeah yeah no. yep um but yeah <laughs> brock leaves there's this immediate power struggle dean is sobbing in his hover boots which nobody should sob mm-hmm. when they're in hover boots yeah. no the, the hover boots are great yeah uh, in this and uh, Rusty falls asleep at his lab table working on something. Helper picks it up, uh, picks him up, carries him to bed, but sees that he is working on a new robot. Yes. Um, and this is a very pathetic, sad helper uh, episode. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of a helper origin uh, that they talk about behind the scenes that never made its way into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a helper origin that does make it. Into the yeah, show. yeah. But the but the uh, the idea is uh, they wanted to do a flashback where Rusty was a kid hanging out with Helper, mm-hmm. and at one point uh, when he became an adult and went to college, he put Helper away but forgot to turn him off. <laughs> so Helper was in a closet with no stimulation for like like a decade. Okay, and that is why Helper is so needy and emotionally uh, volatile. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. that makes sense. Um, and they, they do kind of a version of that in this episode, mm-hmm. but they never actually kind of showed that scene. But that's something they, they talk about how they always wanted to do. Yes. It would be good for the for the emotional violence that Helper has suffered to uh, mm-hmm. take on that directive attack, let's say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I just I love Helper like going and crying. <laughs> Just get mm-hmm. quote unquote crying, wiping it, wiping away a tear that is not falling with a with, with a little cloth, little tissue. Um, looking yeah. at a picture of him giving young young Rusty a, a piggyback ride, and then putting together a hobo bindle, um, yep. like a little kid running What's away. Like I'm gonna go join the like, What is in there? I, would, I never I never stopped to ask what was in there, Gary. <laughs> Yeah, what's in there? Uh, it's very cute. This is a good helper episode. I could, I love I helper lo- I love so helper. much. Yeah, I love helper. Uh, and so l- l- listening to the um, listening to the uh, to, to the commentary, apparently, like, <laughs> public is a big fan of helper and is always trying to and is always trying to include him. And hammer mm-hmm. just keeps forgetting that helper exists. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've got we've got Brock. Uh, he's away. He's on this mountain mm-hmm. where the where the army is very interested in what's going on. They're keeping mm-hmm. tight lipped about it. Um, and Helper has run away. This is leaving uh, Doc Venture uh, vulnerable to the many assassins who are coming after him. <laughs> yes, um, an Underland assassin shows up the window and drops a scorpion sphere uh, on the ground. <laughs> uh, and the scorpion starts crawling towards Doctor Venture. At the same time, Henchman Twenty Four opens another window and drops in a tarantula. Uh huh. And this is this is very funny and very cute. Yup. Uh, the the scorpion tarantula fighting over Doctor Venture is real good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really love this, and I love uh, as soon as Doctor Venture wakes up and sees it, he hits the panic button because there's bugs on him. Yeah. That's really good as well. 
and they're on him like you know what's gonna yeah. happen is that you know is his bed's gonna you know, open up and Ethan is gonna slide down to the basement uh, oh, but he's like, such a panicky idiot yeah oh. but like the bugs are still on you dude mm-hmm yeah, yeah. yeah really really good but that causes these uh that causes the shutters to, to to close to close around the building they're in full lockdown uh the kids are deposited in uh into the into the panic room um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they are wearing uh wearing their their superhero pajamas hank dresses mm-hmm. as uh pajamas as uh, aquaman dean as spider-man mm-hmm. um these are specifically underoos yeah um which were a really big thing and if you look for them now mm-hmm. um they're incredibly expensive it's like if you want to go on ebay and buy you know two thousand dollar underwear Oof. like that you do it through through the underoo Hmm. Uh, catalog yeah um oh. so hank immediately goes into hero mode and decides to uh fix the bug problem by slamming his dad with a fire extinguisher meanwhile mm-hmm. dean says the first thing you have to do is tie a tourniquet to stop the toxin from reaching the brain yep. <laughs> i love tying a tourniquet uh, for a head wound yeah really really good <laughs> uh just just the you know these idiots are in charge uh-huh um Dean sends Hank out to get some anti-venom from a uh, first aid kit, but uh, we get introduced to Gardo, yes. uh, the security bot with uh, Rusty's face on it, uh, doing the, uh, you know, the Jindosh thing, <laughs> yes. like using its creator's voice to be mm-hmm. like, you know, you're intruding on Venger Industries, mm-hmm. crush, kill, destroy. Yep. <laughs> His delivery is so half-hearted, too. I love it. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but yeah dean uh dean pisses himself and it shorts out his boots uh, man there, there's one uh thing here too when they're when they're trapped in the the security room mm-hmm. there's a delivery where hank points at the door and goes that looks like a door <laughs> uh that, that's really good um uh before they go out mm-hmm. uh but he you know he pisses himself people are pissing themselves a lot in the, yeah. of the, of the series <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, we, we cut over to, uh, Rusty waking up mm-hmm. as, uh, Hank is trying to choke him uh, with a tourniquet and he's, this Freudian phase of yours is going too far. Yep. Uh, which is, which is real good. Uh, just waiting for his son to grow up and destroy him yep. again. Like, uh, like a Wes Anderson, like Bill Murray's kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, We're going like... to break him apart like a fucking wishbone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh, but I love it. It's just, uh, like, you know, again, it's continuing the, I think the big man of the house huh and mm-hmm. of course like he immediately goes from trying to assert his his role as the father to explaining that it's very common for some men to lactate involuntarily in cases of extreme distress so he is mm-hmm. so scared that he's lactating yeah i, lo- I love that so much yeah uh, again there's a little bit of like a, a juvenile joke that will mm-hmm. go away as the series goes on but uh yeah. I, I dig it i just I, um, I i have a distinct recollection of seeing that in a car in a uh commercial promo and thinking like mm-hmm. oh that show looks weird <laughs> yeah people, people men lactate from it mm-hmm. yeah that's the show um, where men lactate venture brothers that's that lactating show <laughs> the venture brothers primarily about male lactation <laughs> i told this story before uh my friend austin would do that and i kept joking with him about making his own cheese he would he would, he would do what product. i'm sorry he would lactate okay <clears throat> And I, I joked with him about making his own cheese, and I wanted him to like print up a label with him smiling. That was like Austin's choice. Okay. And then leave it in stores. Huh. And like you'd, you'd see all this cheese, you know, it'd be like cowbell, uh-huh. you know, 
uh, Wisconsin Valley. And then there'd just be one with his face like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Austin selects. <laughs> like, Austin selects that he had made from his body. I was I guess I'm, in my head, I knew it might have been possible. You said it so mm-hmm. matter of factly. Did, did dudes lactate? Oh, yeah. Oh, huh, okay. Oh, yeah, bro. Okay. You mean you don't? I, I, I've never done it. I, yeah. It can definitely happen, though. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. 100%. Um, huh. Yeah. Forgive, forgive so. my ignorance. You just, you, you, no, it's, you, it's quite you right. said it. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a joke. And then you said it seriously and I went along with it, but I wanted to make sure. No, no, it's, it's true. Do you, do you ever see the, the Tim and Eric finale of awesome show where they do the man milk? Yes. Where they both start. That's one of the, like, that's hard for me to watch. And there's not very much that those two dudes do that is hard for me to watch. Right. That's really fucking yeah. gross. Like, <laughs> like, I, I, like I've known that it can happen with, with, uh, baby boys. They call hmm. it witch's milk because they have a yeah. lot of their mom's hormones in them. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't mean to fix that on, on the lactating thing. It just for, no, it's okay. I, I kind of de- de- derail derealized there for a second, and now I'm back. Now, <laughs> Alexa, now it's all <laughs> Google lactating for Cole. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the henchmen uh, are talking about their jurisdiction here. Yes. Um, kind of arguing here, and we have twenty-one and twenty-four. Hmm. Uh, straight up it's um, it's not cool. just like the voices of 21 and 24 either like you know 24 looks a lot like the other tenchmen who are all kind of you know interchangeable but like 21 like it's it's doc hammer's voice it's the voice that would yeah. that, that would eventually be gary and he's like heavy he's yeah. heavy set yeah mm-hmm. and he's 21 yeah. um 24 calls the monarch to straighten this out i love the monarch picks up the phone going somebody loves the monarch <laughs> uh, i think that's really cute yeah <laughs> Oh gosh. And like there there's something there's something weird in this episode where um Monarch seems to fucking hate Dr. Girlfriend. Yes. He's a huge dick. Yeah. Uh in this. And I don't uh if this was going somewhere, mm-hmm. um, it's not it doesn't. It's not laying track. Like eventually right. they become a very believable relationship and really lived in and mm-hmm. stuff. And like couples do bicker you know yes. like this but it it's weird it doesn't pay off within the episode right and that's the weird part about it like previously when we had shown their them bickering um where they're in bed and uh you know when they kidnap the boys during a deal dealos dangerous um that did pay off within episode yes. this does not this mm-hmm. never resolves right it just kind of seems like he is ordering he's being outright hostile to her as opposed mm-hmm. to like hurting him, hurting her through in like either in ne- just basically negligence. Usually later yeah. on, it is because he is ignoring what she wants Focus. or needs. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's and, obsessed. And vice versa. Yeah. They both they both have like they have a fairly complicated yes relationship in this respect. Mm-hmm. Like it's not uh, where it's just he's an asshole, right? You know, uh, but uh, here he just is, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a it's a season one. Yes. Thing. Like this, this will become more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, but, and again, it doesn't go, go anywhere. Like that's the biggest bummer. Like if mm-hmm. they were leading up to something, that would be a joke. If this was in service of something. Right. Right. That would be cool. No, um, the, the, the joke yeah. is that she buys diet pop for the summit. <laughs> yeah. I, and then there is something to that where he's just like, you know, taste this then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, and that's, yeah. that's, again, that's very, you know, relatable and kind of mm-hmm. funny in the moment, but it doesn't add to anything. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but he um, orders her to go, you know, to call, call Interbite so they can work this out directly with each other. Uh, meanwhile, yep. like 24 and the henchmen are still like standing on the front lawn of the venture compound that is on full lockdown. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they explain Gardo 
uh, Rusty says, you know, I made Gardo. I fell asleep, though, before I programmed his friendly fire mm-hmm. uh, into this. So right now, we can't tell the difference between us and an army of snake men hopped up on uh, PCP. Which is what you don't want attacking your compound. Gardo would be great for that situation. Yes. And he Gardo is uh, effective later. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, there's a little joke here where he's like, does he, does Gardo, does that stand for something? Yeah. And then they cut, <laughs> they just cut, cut away immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a really great little bit too, where Monarch starts trying to call Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, Brock, Brock, it's an emergency. I can't get to the fridge <laughs> or it's an emergency. And I can't get to the fridge. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of one of my all time favorite jokes that I have, uh, taken from something mm-hmm. like I, I use this every once in a while for an emergency, but there's a Sean baby joke, uh, where he has a character who's like, help, help. I lost the lid to my yogurt. I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> and I, I, think, <laughs> I think about that a lot. Help, That's help. really good. I lost the lid to my yogurt. I need to enlist <laughs> like, the help as, of as many people around me as possible to resolve this crisis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. <laughs> But yeah, he calls Brock, you know, he won't answer because uh, he's busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brock, uh, you know, he was sitting on a campfire, probably thinking about a deer or something like that. He, he mm-hmm. hears a noise off in the distance and he throws a knife and hears a scream. They're going to intercut between the Summit story and Brock's story in the actual episode. Mm-hmm. I have de-interleaved them here for the purpose of clarity so I can talk yeah. about them separately and then get to them when they inter- inter- intersect. Yep. Yeah, that, that works for me. Yeah. Um, so Underbite uh, arrives at the meeting uh, with the monarch, and they start doing uh, a little trap uh, on each other, like a little fight. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really shocking to me. The monarch has disintegrator rays. Yep. Like when Underbite <laughs> deflects them, and then Underbite throws uh, a sphere from Phantasm. Yes. I think that uh, Jackson Public is wrong in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says those are from the movie Sentinel. Yeah. Uh, I looked up the movie Sentinel, the 1977 movie Sentinel, and there are no spheres in it that I could see, but the spheres from Phantasm are called Sentinel spheres. Yes. And Uh, I got that special little feeling you get when somebody (laughs) famous and smarter than you is wrong. Yep. Um, (laughs) For that one moment, you're better than him. You're the creator of the Venture Brothers now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I am to be Airpage. Here I come. Um, But I am to be for books. So I I have never seen the 1977 film Sentinel. Mm -hmm. I think he's referring to Sentinel spheres from Phantasm because that is straight up just one of the spheres from Phantasm. One of the all-time best spheres. It's a good sphere. Uh, And a show God, you know, in terms of orbs mm-hmm. and spheres, yeah, uh, the Sentinel spheres from Phantasm have a rich and storied history, and I yeah. adore them. No, I mean, le- um, leagues ahead of the uh, the spheres from, um, or the orbs rather from, uh, oh gosh, Warlock, space? blah. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the wiki, um, the Venture Brothers wiki. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they get a little trigger happy with uh, with these, um, such as when they say that the bugs uh, fighting over. Over Doctor Venture's body is an allusion to Star Wars Episode Two, where the where two little droids or two bugs are, just happen to fight. Or, yeah, like like two two assassin bugs fighting in Queen Amidala. I don't think that's a, they, they get a little trigger happy. They don't mention Sentinel, but they do mention that the sphere that is thrown here is is from Phantasm. It's so, straight from Phantasm. Yeah, and everybody yeah. should watch Phantasm. Phantasm is it's Phantasm. good. It's a good sphere. Phantasm owns. It's fucking yeah. weird. Much better sphere than from Warlock. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we Cole, we, we all know what your feelings on the warlocks. <laughs> um, uh, so they eventually give up on this. Like, okay, we we tried. Uh, you know, let's actually I love that talk. It's just protocol. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Um, this is, uh, you know, they're, they're basically having this pissing contest over who gets to do this. And yeah. Underbite says, you know, this is personal. I have a grudge. Monarch goes, oh, what's personal about it? And he, like, points to his jaw. Uh-huh. Um, you know, oh, he was responsible for it. He's like, yes, where I come from, a lab partnership is a sacred trust. Uh, one's always supposed to look after their lab partner, and he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that's a direct allusion to Reed Richards and uh, Victor Von Doom. Yes. I just, I, I love uh, the the one joke about Baron Underbite that works for me is when he mm-hmm. says, like, really penny ante stuff in his, you know, high gravitas villain voice. Like, that's the thing that happens several times in the show, but like him saying, it was my lab partner. Like, yeah. th- that's, that's like a real petty thing, well, dude. <laughs> and also him going to college and doing all this stuff is very funny like all these people we're gonna see that we're gonna see them all be roommates and 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 go to school at the same time which is very funny yes (laughs) oh man can't wait to talk about that episode i like that quite a bit um Mm -hmm. yeah uh but monarch says oh you can't just wander into the middle of a high stakes chess tournament and yell king me just because venture bitched up your face I, I like that too. I don't it's, like that word. I excise it, it, it from my vocabulary. It's a it's a re, it's a real sometimes word and sometimes says not very frequently. But just the phrase "bitched up your face" is really yeah. good and evocative. The delivery is incredible. As yes, well. it, you know, really, really good. Uh, and then you know, Venture and I are involved in a deadly game of cat and also cat. That is like that. That's not just like funny because it's not the way that it works. It's also really psychologically fraught. Like he can't consider venture to be the mouse because mm-hmm. that implies that venture is weaker than him and he was he has been un- unable to get him so it has to be a battle between equals but he doesn't have a uh he doesn't have a ready he does not he does not have a, not a uh a colloquialism no, no ready for, that. for that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh monarch goes on to try to show underbite his uh his slideshow his 37 point plan but it won't load on this like monarch os yep. that he's using because uh, he has a lot of extensions uh here uh, uh, this is when, uh, you know, back in the, the panic room, um, Dean mentions helper and Russell's like, oh yeah, helper, uh, <laughs> tries to call him, but he won't answer because he's hitchhiking away. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, Dean's like, well, maybe he's, he's jealous of your new robot. And Russ goes, well, robots don't have feet. <laughs> and then flashes back to all of the sweet things that helper has done. But they've only done like three or four episodes. So that's all they have to pull from. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't do flashbacks from when he was a kid. No, no. We're going to get that yeah. later. Like, <laughs> yeah but but yeah i just just the idea that like oh this is the moment when he has the epiphany that helper has feelings mm-hmm. and it, it's not like this informs his behavior from here on out no no he yeah. he does monstrous things i mean especially to, to helper especially in the jump to season four yeah. oh yeah um so we we uh cut over to the henchmen uh you know when the uh the monarch henchmen come over and he's like you are supposed to stay on your side of the line uh they say and he he's basically like hey you know we're gonna be here for a while we got some beers do you, uh-huh. you know do you guys want to and it's really sweet uh-huh it's um, just like oh we don't know, well like we would feel bad being over here by the monarch meal drinking and seeing you guys stand here like just come on and solidarity i just i love the sound of the henchman solidarity mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and eventually this will extend to like support groups and stuff. Yes. Uh, it's very sweet. Um, and we learn a little bit about their individual thing. Um, the monarch kind of recruits from troubled people, Yep. uh, you know, who are unemployed and stuff. And in Underland, everyone is mandated, has to be a henchman from the ages of 12 to 37 mm-hmm. and they're executed at 38. <laughs> uh, it's like really, really rough. Yeah. 
um, oh, just yeah. I, I I like the monarchs approach better because that just is funnier to me. Just seeing oh, yeah. seeing these henchmen as just victims of capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, basically, you know, <laughs> just people second chance program or whatever. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, like literally, um, like the, the one guy says, I, "I was addicted to crack cocaine." <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Like, like a like a like a gentleman sell like the guy selling magazines from office. Oh space, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and then here's twenty one reveals lore where it's like, "How about you, buddy?" He's like, "You guys kidnapped me when I was 15. <laughs> which is you hilarious know? because like he knows his mom and goes to live with her. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just he well hench life man he gets uh-huh. a tattooed yeah uh, <laughs> but like 24 no just like ah yeah the, the the plant closed down and i didn't have i didn't have a degree not a lot of options so. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good yeah um while this is happening brock is doing a sabbatical and we're getting this um i for all the life of me i thought this hat this plot happened later than season one uh-huh the the stuff with sasquatch like i didn't remember this being the b plot Yes. Of this episode. It's such um, a slight B plot too. It doesn't have much to do with anything. No, it, it's, I mean, it's not, it's just to tie it into the, the real world pop culture. Yeah. It's just a signal to us that, Hey, in this universe, all of the seventies and sixties pop culture adventure things exist. Yeah. It, it, it was both fiction and reality. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like yeah. W- when Brock couldn't answer his satellite phone watch, uh, it was because he had thrown a knife and he had hit a Sasquatch. Like we got a Bigfoot mm-hmm. here. Brock is going to go and do his thing when straight up Steve Austin, not Stone Cold, mm-hmm. not comma Steve, Steve Austin, Stone Cold. No, it's Steve Austin from the Six Million Dollar Man here called Steve Summers, uh, which is yes. clever because Summers is the last name of the bionic woman. Uh, yes. he, he jumps down to uh, to defend it. And for the first time in the series that we've seen, somebody gets gets an upper hand on brock yeah he's the bionic man yeah uh, and that means you get that those awesome like burr, 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 like the, the, the bionic man jumping sound which oh, is so very good yeah you know uh and you know it seems like they're they're just having a fight at this point they don't trust each other mm-hmm. um another kind of comic cliche yeah um you know brock recognizes him yeah you know he's like oh you're you know he shoots an arrow at him and sparks come out he goes bionic huh let's see how bionic <laughs> and kicks him in the balls how right in my uh, cape canaverals <laughs> cape canaverals is real good yep. um this is a reference to multiple episodes actually of the six million it's, it's man. a two-parter it's a, like yeah. it's more than a two-parter there are is at least it? five episodes where the six million dollar man hung out with sasquatch whoa uh, they became uh, buddies in that show which is fucking wild to me that's <laughs> but crazy I watched some clips uh on youtube and it's pretty weird you know? yeah in the in the commentary they you know they, they talk about like yeah it was a it was a two-parter and like the, 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 the like the they were they were like aliens but they were actually robots hiding up in mm-hmm. the hiding up in the uh in the woods in the mountains and it looked like they could teleport but they actually just went invisible and then moved and then came became visible again something like yeah. that yeah uh, no. And then Sasquatch would become a semi-recurring guest character. Weird. Uh, the six million dollar man. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, we get the little backstory mm-hmm. on him, uh, where he, you know, he's presumed dead because of a uh, test ship accident he was in. They saved him. They put six million dollars worth of stuff in him, but they make him pay it back. I 
Like, how, do you have any idea how long it takes to pay back six million dollars on a government salary? And that's, I mean, that's kind of the boilerplate joke for this series, which is thing from Pulp Fiction, but with a real consequence associated with it. Yes, well, like, like just, a comedy version of Warren Ellis's Ruins. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, like. Th- they they would make him pay that off wouldn't wouldn't he because it's medical like yeah it's 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 a it's a procedure (laughs) yeah and also the government's not going to do things for free right right you know uh they're here to hurt you Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the uh so he continues you know he mentions he was out in the woods and he basically went awol Mm -hmm. uh because he met sasquatch and the the twist that this is giving is that you know they fall in love Mm -hmm. he met his little sass burger um (laughs) cupid must have been using bionic arrows that day i love that um (laughs) like uh it's real good yeah and and that's why the yeah that's why the army is here because they're looking for him they want to get their investment back uh they want nothing you know they don't know about the sasquatch that's not what they're after uh but brock does not want to separate them they don't want to be pulled apart from each other so brock has a plan he yanks off steve's bionic arm (laughs) but without Mm -hmm. steve unhooking it so it feels like he just has his arm pulled out yeah well he says this is your bionic one right (laughs) and before he can answer he rips it off (laughs) because that was hooked up to my brain yeah uh you know, very sweet. Uh, and then they're going to escape. Uh, while this is happening, the henchmen are basically doing uh, Devil's Night mm-hmm. stuff to the Venture compound. They're like, hey, let's have some real fun. Yeah. And they start TPing the statues and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, like they're they're doing a little like a like, like a little vandalism riot outside. Um, mm-hmm. Helper, uh, he has gotten the call. Um, you know, you know, just in, and uh, uh, Rusty has told him, "Hey, Ali, I love you. I need you back here." He goes back and he forces a system restart by shorting out the electric panel. Uh, this mm-hmm. causes the kids to do their Go Team Helper, our first modified Go Team venture. They make a little mm-hmm. H with their fingers. When uh, when they do that, um, when they're telling off Gardo at this point, at one point, uh, Dean says, "Like, yeah, Helper's a real robot." <laughs> To Gardo, which is really funny as well. <laughs> yeah. Clearly a robot man. Yeah. Um, you know, very, very <laughs> cute. Uh, but this, uh, this allow you know, when Helper does his little mission to get back in, it lets Gardo out. So Gardo is busy uh, killing all the henchmen. Oh, it's a bloodbath. <laughs> yeah, absolute bloodbath. Like they're doing pranks and Gardo is a military robot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so uh, Brock... Uh, in executing his plan to get uh, to get Steve and the Squash out, uh, rolls mm-hmm. past the military checkpoint, past the guy who uh, the MP. We didn't talk about this. He's so enamored with Brock that he um, picks up his cigarette butt, like mm-hmm. literally one of the grossest objects on earth to keep as a little talisman of the time that he met Brock Sampson. He, mm-hmm. he, he rolls back. Uh, we've got Steve Austin in the back seat. Uh, he's dressed up in olive drab and he's got like long shaggy hair and a mustache coated like a Vietnam vet. And in the front seat, we have a shaved Sasquatch who looks hideous. It's absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Like really rough looking. Yep. Um, you know, they're like, he's like, yeah, me and my old Vietnam vets like to get together in the woods. <laughs> they look over at Sasquatch. He's like, mm-hmm. you ever see combat son? You know, you should look so good after stepping on a landmine. <laughs> um, as they run off, another uh, military police pops up and says, like, you didn't recognize that was a shaved Sasquatch and Steve Austin wearing a beard made of shaved Sasquatch <laughs> uh, or shaved Bigfoot uh, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is real good. Um, and the uh, the shave, uh, the line line here is really, really <sighs> good. Well, just like, you know, they, they, they get away. They're relieved. 
And Brock's like, hey, you could have told me it was a dude, you know, mm-hmm. before I before I had to shave him. Shave like he says it. Yeah, he says it. Real. And he's like, what's the matter? Are you shy? Sasquatch doesn't have anything you haven't seen before. Sasquatch and is Brock, something I haven't seen before. <laughs> like, and they do a really good job making Sasquatch pretty hideous in this. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty gross critter. The the, the, um, the facial bone structure is it's not even like a, it's not even ape like. Like it is specifically yeah. grotesque. Like in a way that yeah. like a like like a manufactured cryptid would be that was like made out of bunch of uh, made out of a bunch of like taxidermied animals that were sewn together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. And then this episode kind of just limps over the the finish line. Yeah. Here. Like it's like we've got like our our kind of climax. Everything is a little too neat. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the monarch and underbite agree to file uh, with the guild of calamitous intent uh, to do a team up on Article of Collusion. Mm-hmm. Uh. But when monarch calls the henchmen they're all dead uh brock rolls up uh accidentally runs over gardo seeing mm-hmm. all the destruction and just sees uh rusty's face thinking he ran over rusty yes um and that's that's credits like again it just kind of ends and then the post credit sequence is a big nothing as well yeah yeah it's, it's, it's literally rusty pressing the button to open the door to the panic room and helper immediately closing it um because yes. uh he's still huffy they have not reconciled Early on in the show, one of the notes I have is that a lot of the early plots uh, of this deal with people not answering their phones. Yes, that has happened a couple of times and will happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, people can't get a hold of each other. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that feels like not like super poignant, but at least like kind of important to this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, like, this is a cool episode. Like, we actually get to see, I mean, for as much as, like, Baron Underbite is the kind of the featured player on this side of mm-hmm. it, the fact that we get an actual plot from the monarch that is not fucking around by accident in, uh, you know, in, in New York City or kind of, like, accidentally running into into the ventures in Mexico, like, where he's actually, like, trying to, trying to put a, a plan in place and having it run into, like really surmountable obstacles that he just cannot get over because of his own personal hangups and because of the mm-hmm. way this world works. Like, yeah, like that's really cool. I, I like that we get to see that here. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, a good episode. Again, lots of really funny jokes, pretty slight, mm-hmm. pretty season one, but still fun and lots yeah. of first. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a dork for the lore, like I am, uh, the introduction of OSI and the guild is very important. Yeah. And if you're a dork for helper, like I am, uh, you're going to be, you're going to have a lot of fun seeing his emotional trauma. Yeah. And, and just, uh, having helper, uh, helper on patrol, (laughs) you know, it's, it's our boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's gonna That's going to be it for, for this episode of orb. Um, we appreciate you Mm -hmm. for listening. Thank you. Yeah, um, if you would like to hear these episodes a, uh, a week early, I about said a day early, that'd be a really, that wouldn't be a great reward for our Patreon, uh, which mm-hmm. is at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Get access to these episodes a week early. Get access to mm-hmm. um, all of our episodes um, a week early for our entire show, our entire network, because uh, you uh, you support your boys and support all the work that we and our friends do here. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, we really do appreciate it um ratings reviews really good uh when a show is early tell your friends Mm -hmm. um we will be back next week with more and uh no one asked this but i you know it's worth we do have a recap episode uh planned and people will be able to write in yes if you have thoughts about season one that's Mm -hmm. also where we'll talk about things like dvd special features 
Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, it's worth. I like the uh, little uh, documentary thing mm-hmm. on how uh, Astro Base works. Yep. Voiced by uh, Pete White and Billy Quizboy. So we'll talk about that stuff. There's definitely like a season wrap up kind of episode thing mm-hmm. uh, that we have planned. So yeah. uh, see you then. See you then. A couple months. Yeah. Mm. Uh, until next time. Go, go team, team venture. venture.